Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, if you're just joining us, let me welcome you to our Christmas series. We've entitled it Christmas Classics. How many of you guys love that Christmas classic? Some uh, vow there. Let her hear you back there. Wasn't that awesome? Um, Actually, Val, who just sang that song, she works with that next-gen team. Uh, she's there every week producing the services that help our young people learn about Christ and learn how to grow in their faith. Here at Milestone, we don't believe you have to wait till you're old to be great. We believe you can use your gifts and talents now to honor God. How many of y'all believe that with me? That's our vision. So... The future is bright. Y'all know what I'm saying? Some of us are going to get replaced because we're getting old. But anyhow, that's the way it works, all right? But uh, our series is entitled Christmas Classics, and that's why I asked Val to sing that song because we're thinking about the famous, the nostalgic Christmas songs that we sing. We sing them over and over. We sing them every year. And Christmas is interesting because really it's a global celebration. Millions and millions of people all over the world sing these songs, they celebrate the tradition, and many times a lot of people do it without really understanding what the meaning really is. They, they don't know a lot about what is really happening. You just kind of get caught up in the culture of it, and the songs are really good, and we enjoy the parties, and we enjoy all of the family traditions, and so we thought we would think about these songs a little bit, and, and really try to ask ourselves, if they, if they catch on, then there's something inside of us that we're longing for. So when we find ourselves humming it, and getting in tune with it, kind of in connecting, there's probably something there that we're desiring. There's something about the way we're made up that we want some of what that song is saying to us. Now, of course, I'm a pastor, and I believe that the real message of the story is, is found in Scripture. So I want to take us, though, not just to the songs, though we love the songs and Jesus is okay with that. I want to take us to Scripture where we find the meaning behind the celebration and try to see what the Bible has to say about what we're longing for uh, in these songs. So I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to the book of Matthew. It's right in the New Testament, right at the front. Matthew 121. You make it easy for you this weekend. And then we're going to move over into Jesus's life. Matthew 121, we're going to look at the Christmas story. Then we're going to move over into Jesus's life and let him share with us something about why I'll be home for Christmas is meaningful and something that we're searching for. I want to welcome those at our McKinney campus, welcome those online, our McKinney campus joining us live stream now. Would you guys join me in celebrating them? And so we're glad they're, they're joining in with us right now. Um, and as you're finding your Bible passage, I want to celebrate. We're well into the Christmas season. We love Christmas here at Milestone. We love all of you, our guests, our friends that worship with us. We still have some cool stuff coming up with the candlelight services and next weekend. And so that's exciting. But we had such a powerful moment this week at Joy. Come on, ladies. I was there. You guys, it was amazing. And I met so many new ladies from places all around the United States that have recently moved here. Some of you that have just uh, become part of our church family, some who are just checking it out. We had about 1,900 women. That's a lot of estrogen. 
okay, a lot. So we had on both campuses, and so it was really amazing. Um, and really the greatest thing that happened is 81 ladies said, I don't want to just celebrate Christmas, I want to know the Jesus of Christmas. And so I want to say thank you to all of you that serve and help with that. And uh, of course, we're able to bless our single moms and widows with $600,000 in gift cards because of your generosity. And so that, that is always a powerful moment where we're able to help single moms and widows. And um, I, I'm al- I always love celebrating this. It's so, it's so amazing. Here at Milestone, it's not just about events. It's about family. It's about us celebrating together. Uh, but I thought that, that there's a part of joy that we leave out um, that we don't know what's happening because it's behind the scenes. And so I asked my friend Matt Kaler, who's been a part of the church for several years, to let us know something we've been wondering about. What's happening at the house? If 1,900 ladies have been displaced from their post, okay, we're in deep, deep trouble because that means there's some dads at home trying to man the fort. And Matt sent me this picture. He said, Pastor, I got it totally under control. I got it totally under control. <laughs> Whipped cream and bluebell at the bottom of the stairs. We got it, Mom. Don't worry. We've got it totally under control. Okay, so thank you, Matt, for letting us know what's happening behind the scenes. All right. Well, let's, let's think about this song for a second before we look at the passages. I'll be home for Christmas. Last weekend, we talked about White Christmas, the most popular single ever written. And we talked about its power that we want this clean, right Christmas. And I'll be home for Christmas, written a year later, sung by Bing Crosby. And it was incredibly meaningful because the theme and thesis of it is that there were military troops overseas, and they said of him singing this song, it raised their morale. And yet it's more than just the military troops, it's now become really amazing. It's like 40 words, roughly, that's sung over and over the same thing. And I was drawn to this line, this desire to be home for Christmas if only in my dreams, if only in my dreams. I think that it's speaking deeper than just military troops who want to be at home with their family, though that's a great application. I think it's speaking more than just to our natural families, though I will say this, this time of year, it's something that's important to us. When you're younger, you care about the gifts. When you get older, you care about the people you love and things being right among you. The older you get, that's your highest value, is the the sincere, authentic love and the chance to celebrate with people you really care about. And so there's there's a longing there, though. I'll be home for Christmas. I, I don't know. Again, I think it's talking the word home is more than a house. It's more than a structure. It's more than a Christmas moment. It's, it's, there's something there that we're looking for this, this experience that could last longer than Christmas where my wife and I have settled some of our differences. See, the problem with going home for Christmas is you bring your baggage. You bring your hurts. You bring your forgiveness issues. You bring your misperceptions. You bring your missed expectations. You bring it all with you, more than sweaters and the box of candy. 
you, you come home to some of the chaos and you bring a little chaos with you. And so there's things in our family, in our friendships, in our relationships, and yes, even there's things on the inside of us, whether it's emotional, psychological, or physical things, whatever it is, it's like I, I, home for Christmas is I want some rightness, I want some wholeness, I want some things that are outside maybe of my reach, and because he says, look, I, I'm dreaming about it, it may seem like that's a little bit out of our grasp. We sing these songs but this time of year, maybe it's the adding the parties to our schedule and all the decorations and all the responsibilities. Maybe it's the hustle and bustle or maybe just the season's desires surface in us at a greater level some of these things that we're longing for. Nonetheless, I think that God actually has some answers for us and, and we're longing though for it. I thought about a picture though. Let me show you this. Here's my home for Christmas picture. Come on now, I got, I got a little reaction from you. Now, don't, don't go there now. I need you to listen to me for just a few minutes, okay? Um, I had this moment this week. Um, I came home from a day of pastoral responsibilities, and I got all kind of parties and activities and things going on and staff things. And I always try when I pull up to my house because I always desired more than just to be a great pastor. I wanted to be great in my own home. So I try when I pull up to kind of leave behind the day's pressures and problems that I've been dealing with. And uh, I came home, I sat in my chair. Anybody got a chair? Y'all know what I'm saying? I got in my chair and my senior in high school, she's got one more semester left with me. That is sad. Don't, don't make me go there, I'll cry. But anyway, <laughs> after a day full of challenges and situations, she came over and she crawled in my chair and got right up in there with me. And so for like 45 minutes, we watched some demon possessed show on HGTV or something I don't know <laughs> but it was all right how many of you know it's all right if the people you love are right and so there's just a little image let's let's look at it because I think maybe Jesus understands us God understands us the story of Christmas connects with us now let's go back here to Matthew 121 it's been our thesis passage for two weeks and let's look at what happened because you may not know this, the first Christmas had some chaos. It had some chaos going on, and this part of the story is Joseph's scene. You have a lot of different scenes. You have Mary's scene, you have all these different ones, but this is Joseph's scene, and Joseph was a good man. He was a just man. He was a man who was trying to do the right thing. He's engaged to this 15-year-old girl named Mary, and they're planning to be married. He's never had intimate relations with her a sexual relationship and so there's this impossible scenario when she comes and says I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit he's like this is this is I don't understand so he's he's working through it and really because of the cultural pressure in his own struggle he's trying to find a way to get out of the relationship He's trying to find a way to kind of dismiss it and get away from it in a right way, in a way that honors her. And so we pick up the scene here, and I'm going to get right to the point of Christmas, right to the place of home. In Matthew 121, we see here an angel comes to Joseph and says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because, we learned this last week, how do you have a white Christmas? How do you get rid of the stains that are on your life? 
All of us can think of the mistakes we've made, but a lot of times we don't know what to do about them. Look at the promise of Christmas. Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will save you from everything that you've missed the mark on. He'll cleanse you and wash you white as snow. You call that forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the promises of Christmas. Forgiveness. But then it goes beyond that even deeper here, and it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, and look at this, which means God with us. So not only did he come to save us, he came to live with us, in us, through us, influence our lives, our emotions, our friendships, our relationships, our purpose, our our focus here in this moment, our focus eternally, our potential relationship from now on with him. He came to be God with us. And so a lot of people don't understand that. They think God is ethereal. They think God is some kind of concept. Maybe he's an emotional or intellectual crutch for people. But if you celebrate Christmas, here's what you're celebrating. The God who created the universe says, I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to come speak to you, talk to you, be with you. And so he is Emmanuel. That word literally means God with us. It would take a thousand or more sermons to explain what it means that God is with us. And man, there's so many aspects of that. He is our father. He is the one who helps us. He gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. He gives, there's so much about who God is. It's, it's, we can't even exhaust all of the characteristics of how awesome God is. But as I start thinking about how he came in and showed us how to live relationally, last week we talked all about the receiving of forgiveness. One aspect I want to bring out is I want to talk about how we forgive others. Because after 20 plus years of working with people, I started preaching at 16, but then started pastoring in my early 20s. All I've ever done is really work with people and serve people. And as I look at people who say, I want my world to look more like a home, which has this environment of love and acceptance and life and authenticity, or or really even their natural homes or families, I think one of the number one principles, I'm talking about in your growth in Christ, And then in really the longing that's out there in that song, I think it would be learning how to forgive others. Now, I know I'm talking about a big one here. This is a big one. This is big. This is is complex. It's only in our dreams sometimes. Forgiving others. If you want to have the right Christmas, if you want to have the home-like Christmas, if you want to have it and it be more than just a theory or an experience on a picture... You have to learn how this happens. You have to learn how to process this in your lives. And so what's so good about this baby Jesus is this baby Jesus lived as one of us. He wanted to be with us, so he came as one of us. Now that's mind-blowing. The God of the universe who breathed stars into existence became one of us. And he lived a perfect life. And so we actually have historically recorded stories of how Jesus lived. And so he grew up and he grew in wisdom and stature and he walked with these disciples. And so I'm just going to let Jesus talk to us because right off the bat, some of you, when I say forgive others is the problem with you having home for Christmas, you're like, okay, how do I get there? Well, let me just let Jesus, it's always good just let Jesus preach for you. 
So Jesus will preach for me right here because he's preaching to one of my favorite characters, Peter. And Peter came to Jesus when these guys were wondering about, because they were wondering a lot, you know, teach us to pray. And one of the things he would say in there is you got to learn how to forgive those and just like you've been forgiven. And, and Jesus, you know, he, he was all the time kind of teaching them about some of these things. And Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive? He's like my kids, man. It's like, what's the minimum? What's the minimum grade I have to get, you know? I, I, as y'all, many of you that have heard me know, I take a tithe for my kids' treats. They just want me to take the minimum. Dad, stop. So when we stop at Sonic and get ice cream or DQ, praise the Lord, DQ, the Holy Ghost is on that. But anyway, we get that and I, I go. Now they just order bigger so that I'll just get less. And now it's Christmas treats coming. So they just want to give me the minimum. And, and you know what? That's the way all of us are. When it comes to sacrificial things that really matter, we want to know what's the minimum, but we want God to bless us with the maximum. We want God to give us supernatural maximum blessing, but we always want to know, what do I have to do? Well, where this story ends up is it moves from what you have to do to what changes on the inside of you. Look what it says. How many times do I have to forgive Peter? I love him. I love his transparency. Brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times? Jesus answered and said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Really, it's just a play on words to say, hey, whatever infinite number that you can think of, it's a lot. It's a lot, Peter. Look at this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. This, here we go. Jesus is a genius. Jesus loves to tell stories. And what he's going to do is use something valuable like money to communicate something more valuable like forgiveness. And he's going to contrast it, okay? He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, they sat down at the contractual table, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Let me tell you, you don't relate to it. 10,000 bags of gold, it's like one bag of gold for the average wage earner at that time. It would take them 16 years to maybe get to one bag of gold. When he uses this term, he's talking about what would take you in normal wages at that time, 160,000 years. It's six billion roughly dollars, okay? It's just, it's billions, not millions, it's billions. And so he's contrasting the largest debt that they could possibly think of. He owed him 10,000, 6 billion, 160,000 years worth of work was brought to him since he was not able to pay, I guess so. He was not able to pay the master, ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had, look at his value there. We're gonna go to the children thing. We're gonna go to the family thing. They all have to be sold to repay the debt. At this, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He can't pay back everything, but at this point, the things that he loves the most are in jeopardy, so he's willing to do whatever it takes. I'll pay back everything. The, servant, the servant's master took pity on him, look at this, key part of the story, and canceled the debt and let him go. He canceled his debt. No longer was there any kind of debt accredited to him. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, a smaller amount, much, much, much smaller amount of money. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. 
Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Did you know many times in scripture it talks about torture, torment, tormenting, and I think it's more than physical, it's emotional. I learned this early on and I believe it's supernatural from God, I'm just like you. I play scenarios over, I've been hurt, I've had to give forgiveness, I've had times I didn't want to give forgiveness, I've had times where I want someone else to endure the pain that they've offered to me, but as a young boy growing up around these stories, there's many times God will supernaturally bring to my mind, and I can think of three or four occasions where there were difficult circumstances where supernaturally I had a revelation, I, I got to let it go because I don't want my future to be tormented. Can I encourage you with something? You're worried about what they're thinking? Let me tell you what they're not thinking. Most of the time, they're not thinking about you or the situation. They're moving on in their own life, and you're still held in torture and torment. Look at this. He towards, until he should pay back all he owed, and here's the, here's the power. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless, unless you forgive your brother or sister the minimum. No, unless you forgive them, and this is the power of it, you forgive them from your heart. And so you're sitting there going, okay, Jeff, wait a minute. What is this saying? Here's what it's saying. It's supernatural. It's other. And it's directly tied to your revelation of how much you've received it. Directly tied. Directly tied. And that's why last week I talked about being washed white as snow and the gift of that and how you can walk in guilty and walk out free of stain. And when you really receive that, the proportionate level you receive it gives you the ability to give it away. And so it's supernatural. Now, for some of you, you're like, okay, wait a minute, Pastor, what world do you live in? Because this is not practical, though. And I need to know what are you really asking us when you say forgiveness? And, and again, after working with people, I know there's some hang-ups that could stop you and the enemy could use it to stop you from offering real forgiveness because you may think I'm saying something that I'm not. Here's what I'm saying forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not approval of wrongdoing. Contrary to popular opinion today, we still serve a just, righteous, and holy God who calls that which is wrong, wrong, and that which is right, right. And so there is a wrong and there is a right. And so when you offer forgiveness, you're not saying, oh, well, we're going to take something that is wrong. And now we're saying that that is right, what someone did. No. Second thing is, it's not an invitation to abuse. It's not an invitation to say, well, I'm a forgiving person so that I don't, I don't, have, I don't have any boundaries or I don't have any reason to live in a healthy way and take good counsel from others to make sure that I'm walking out healthy life based on someone's ability to then abuse me. No, we're not, we're not saying that at all. Number three, though, it's also not dependent on reconciliation. There's people out there who's like, well, wait a minute, Jeff. So you're saying now I've had this happen to me, so now we have to be business partners again, or we have to have relationship again. And God, God is a reconciler. And sometimes under supernatural means, you could be amazed at the level of reconciliation he can bring, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about. It's not necessarily contingent upon a lot of those external things. And what you really learn about the real power of forgiveness, a big one in your walk with Christ, it has less to do with others and a whole lot more to do with you. Has a whole lot more to do with what God wants to do in you 
and where he wants to take you. So sometimes knowing what it's not and then simplifying it to like, what's, what's Jesus really saying here? Well, well let me tell you what's going to happen the, the next few weeks. It may have already happened at Thanksgiving time. I mean, we're, we're going we're gonna to have some parties and we're going to have some family events and we're going to eat way too much food and we're going to look at cat videos online and then we're going to be slounging around watching ball games and then we're going to be, you know, we're going to be looking at our social media feed. You're going to be searching it. And you're just, you're going to get tired of it and you're going to get, you know, discouraged by it. And so you're going to get sick of it. And then, you know, you probably should do something physical outside, but you know, you got that plan for new Year's, So you're not going to do any exercising. So you're just going to keep being, you know, the Christmas slob that you are. And we're just going to just kind of just veg out. And at some moment though, we're going to be with our family and friends and we're going to say, let's play a game. Anybody? Come on now. Let's play a game. All right. And so you're going to gather at the table and the true personalities of people are going to come out around that game. At Thanksgiving, we played Mexican train dominoes is our new game. Come on. Anybody into that? Empire is one of our favorite staff games to play. We have almost lost members of our team. We have, we have, we are now in counseling because of playing that together. Okay. And so, so we're going to play, and, 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 and then the competitive fire is going to come out in the people. My kids, um, they now are older. When they were younger, I could change the rules on the fly. Some call it cheating. I call it winning. And so, but now they're older, so they do a contract before we play, okay? And so I'm not one of these that believes everybody should get a trophy. It's okay to keep score. We're going to keep score. But, you know, as you keep score, it can mess up kind of the family dynamic. Because if you go over the top and you're really rude or you dominate or you celebrate too much in the end zone, it can affect the dinner. It can affect the rest of your time together. Like our staff pastors, we play fantasy football. I, I feel God's conviction about how I dominate them so much that I feel bad because I'm supposed to be their shepherd. I'm supposed to be their pastor and I care for them. But, but as I dominate them, I feel good about it and I don't know why. Now, let me, let me say this. A lot of what Jesus is talking about here, it's fun to keep score when you're playing games. I like keeping score. I think we should keep score. It gets us, makes us better. It's not so good relationally. It's not real good in marriage. It's not real good in friendships. The one who keeps score all the time probably is the most challenged relationally. You, you have to change your mindset to operate this way because forgiveness is all about not keeping score in that account. And it doesn't have anything to do with them. It has everything to do with you. You say, Pastor, i got to get a little bit better at understanding how to do that. Well, I want to give you three things real quick on how to do it. I believe this is so powerful because I believe the quality of life, your quality of life, not just the quality of your Christmas, not just the I'll be home for Christmas, the quality of your life is really found in this, not in your successes, your achievements, in a lot of things we put a lot of priorities on, it is in finding peace with God and others. It's finding peace with God and peace in your relationships. And that's all found through this forgiveness thing. So I want to give you three thoughts about forgiveness. Number one, very important. We got this from the story. Forgiveness, God brings forgiveness to you so he can bring it through you. See, remember, it's proportionate to it coming to you that you're able to offer it to others. 
As you, re- you become acutely aware of your need for forgiveness, when you understand how big a debt you had, when you understand you could never earn your way to God, it doesn't matter. When you stand before God one day, he's not going to look at your resume of achievements. He's not going to look at what most people believe today, that when you ask most people, how do you go to heaven? How do you have a relationship with God? They will say, I am a good person, which good in our minds is good in comparison to someone else. Jesus is the standard and he was perfect. You have to be perfect to go to heaven. You have to be perfect to be in God's presence. You're like, well, I'm in trouble. Me too. Which you do need a good heathen friend though when you're going to do the comparison thing because you can think, you know what? I'm good compared to that joker. My brother there's in trouble. I'm helping little old ladies across the street at Christmas time. He's a loser, you know? So, so we, Good is a relative term. The standard is Jesus. And when you become aware, I would never, ever, ever be able to be right with God and spend eternity with him but Jesus. But Jesus canceled my debt. But Jesus forgave me. And when Jesus forgives you, guess what? He supernaturally gives you the ability. Have you ever been let off the hook? I'm not talking about got away with it. Can you remember a time as a kid where a teacher showed you some mercy and gave you forgiveness? Did you ever have your spouse, if you've been married longer than two weeks, I guarantee you, they go, you know what? You were a jerk, but I forgive you. You're like, thank goodness. I've been working with a guy in his marriage and um, somebody I really care about. He's had marriage trouble for a while. He's been separated for a little while. And he, he, he keeps coming to me for answers. But you see, by the way, you'll find some people to agree with you in life. But you don't necessarily need people to agree with you. You need people to agree with God. So if he talks to me, I'm going to give him what the truth says. But he keeps coming back every now and then. Recently, I just paused for a minute because I needed him to understand what I'm telling you. I said, because I believe God wants him to restore his relationship with his wife. And it's restorable. But everything in culture is telling him, forget it. She's not your soulmate. Find someone else. Only to bring all those problems from that into the next relationship. And so he comes to me and I say, have you ever done anything wrong that she forgave you for? Because see, it's all found in forgiveness. I said, you have to forgive her. He said, I don't think I can. I said, well, has she ever forgiven you? I said, have you ever done anything wrong? He goes, no. I said, you answered that way too fast. You're a knucklehead. Are you kidding me? (laughs) How many of you know, if you think, I've never done anything wrong, you don't have the ability to give forgiveness. Because it's always proportionate to your understanding of your need for it. Here's number two. Here's the power of it. Forgiveness is freedom from past events. You you not only, again, you you get this place where you offer forgiveness, it cuts you off from the effects of it. Here's a couple of quotes that I love. Forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing you were the prisoner by Max Lucado. I love Ann Landers. The young people may not know. She's an old newspaper columnist. Some of young people don't know what a newspaper is. It's a piece of paper that you get information off of. (laughs) Holding a grudge is letting someone live rent-free in your head. So what happens in this unforgiveness thing? Why do you say freedom, Pastor? Well, because when you give it, you receive it. And the big challenge with unforgiveness is it grows roots. It doesn't like to go. So it grows roots. And then what happens is those roots begin to grow these toxic things. And the Bible actually talks about you can grow a root of bitterness. Have you ever seen someone describe someone as a bitter old man? A bitter old lady? 
Where did that come from? Unforgiveness taking root in their soul. And it doesn't like to get cut off. And so what happens is it grows. And then you become like Charlie Brown Christmas character. What happened to Charlie Brown Christmas? Come on, anybody old enough to remember one of the characters, the the little pig pen guy. You know what I'm saying? Like everywhere he went, he's like dirt, dirt. You know anybody like that? Maybe you are that. Every church, every friendship, every relationship, every company, and it's always their fault. The problem is, what happens is if you don't deal with unforgiveness everywhere you go, you're like that little pig pen guy. I I did read on Wikipedia that in two episodes, I think he got cleaned up, but he got real dirty right after that. I mean, one time he was clean for like a moment, then he got dusty and dirty. A lot of people are like pig pen. You go, why am I like that? Unforgiveness unforgiveness when you have it in there it wants to grow I'm going to tell you by the supernatural power of Jesus you can cut it off here's the third thing forgiveness means when you give it to God you're free to release it now what wouldn't that be an awesome Christmas no longer rolling around in your head no longer trying to get revenge no longer trying to repay No longer being controlled by the emotion of it because when you give it to God, you release it. Here's another one a lot of people think about forgiveness. Are you saying, Pastor, I would never remember it anymore? A lot of people miss this even about God himself. In Jeremiah, the prophet says in Jeremiah that God remembers our sins no more. And people think, well, did God just have like a memory lapse or did he just choose to? No, the Hebrew picture of the word remember It literally means more like this, not that, oh, God doesn't know, because he is all-knowing. He didn't have a brain lapse. Remember no more means he doesn't hold it to our account anymore. Remember the story? The debt has been paid. The account is now settled because of Jesus Christ. It's amazing when you owe a debt and it goes to zero. Anybody paid off a car? Anybody had credit card trouble and you paid it off? I remember when Brandy and I, I I started pastoring my senior year at Baylor University, where the presence of God dwells, but that's a different message. (laughs) And I remember I I graduated from college and I was working at a small church and I didn't make a lot of money and I had a little bit of, not a whole lot of student loan debt, but I had some. In those early days, we were just serving God and serving people and we didn't make a lot of money, but we'd just chip away at that student loan, you know, and it was just... It seemed so hard to even get paid off, but I remember after a few years of just kind of putting a little extra and putting a little extra, I'm going to tell you, when I got that letter, you are released from this debt. The account is zero. It's like, praise God, we're going to Sizzler tonight. (laughs) It feels good, doesn't it? When that debt, you're like, I don't owe this anymore. Well, guess what? When you release someone else by offering forgiveness, here's what you don't realize. Your account is changed. Your perception of their account is changed. Doesn't necessarily mean everything comes back into proper order and is totally aligned. It just just means the account is changed. I want to give you this quick story and then I want to pray for you. This story is about Lisa Miller. She's one of our single moms here. And she came in and she's really been growing in Christ. And one of her steps, along with a lot of other steps that she's been taking, because we're a church where we want you to take steps, not just attend services, but take steps. She's been taking steps along the way 
received a lot of healing, a lot of, she has a, has a real challenging story. I don't want to go into all the details, but there was abuse involved and there was mistakes involved and, and sin that always leaves a path of destruction. And she came here to Milestone and started growing, started developing, finding people that would disciple her, mentor her, getting hope, getting healing. And she recently went through our freedom groups and we're after the first of the year, we're going to do the Who Am I campaign and then we'll have our financial peace and freedom and other steps that you can take. And one of those you could take is freedom. And in this freedom study, you have a small group of friends where you work through some of these things that are damaging your relationships and your friendships and your family. And, and, and one of the areas is forgiveness. It culminates with a weekend. And so on that weekend, uh, she had a moment, and I don't want to give away too much of the whole weekend, but one of the moments in the weekend is where someone represents the person who's enacted some type of injustice, and you work through a process of hearing from God and allowing this person to say, I'm sorry. As is the case in many of situations that you need to forgive, sometimes the person doesn't have revelation because hurt people hurt people. Many times the person is not available to tell you I'm sorry. Many times it's hard to get closure. And so it's pretty, it's pretty challenging. And so even actually one of the abusers involved in her situation was killed in a motorcycle accident. And she says, I, I've received so much healing, I've grown, but it was in this moment. And I don't want to read her own words. She said, when this person representing the person that she had injustices that came to her and her family, she said, and that person said, I'm sorry. Those words weren't necessary in order for me to move past what had happened. But he, God, wanted me to hear them so that I could have full closure. He wanted me to know that he too hated what I had gone through and that he hadn't forgotten what happened. But in spite of all of it, I am his beautiful daughter and those moments do not define me or my sons. That's the power. Yeah, it's a great place to clap. That's the power of receiving forgiveness. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads with me. And there's some of you here, you say, Jeff, I'm trying to get to that forgiveness place, but I haven't, I haven't really experienced what you're talking about where you're made white as snow, where you're made new, where you're made right. I still feel like I have a debt between me and God. And you know, a lot of times when you come to a moment like this, you want to know everything about it. You're like, okay, I know I need Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me, but I don't, I don't, I don't understand everything about it. Having Jesus come into your life and forgive you is not about you understanding all of what that is. It just simply means trusting him. I love to say it this way. We are saved by grace. It's the grace of God to bring you to listen to me today, or maybe you're listening at our campus or online. It's just God's grace that he puts you in an environment where you can hear about how much Jesus loves you. But it also takes faith. It takes you taking a step to say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Okay. You just have to trust him. You just have to say, okay, I trust you, Jesus. I'm stepping out. And so right where you are, it's not about my words. It's really about your heart. Maybe you've come to a place where you realize all human beings do where I can't save myself. I can't get there. And that's why Jesus, that Christmas, the prophet, it says, he came to save us from our sins. So you say, Jesus, I want you to save me from my sins. Just between you and him, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I want forgiveness in my life. I've made some mistakes, but I want your forgiveness in my life. Come in. 
I believe you were born a baby. I believe you died on that cross. And I believe you love me today. And I want you to be my Jesus. Come into my heart, come into my life and save me. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to keep your heads bowed. I'm not gonna embarrass you, make you come forward. I have a gift for you though that I wanna give you. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I wanna give you a gift. I wanna know who I prayed with. Just slip it up. There's ushers in the aisle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep it up real high. They're going to give you a little card. It's a gift from me to you to help you start your journey with Jesus. Thank you, sir. They're in the back. I see your hand there in the balcony. Pastor Derek's there at our McKinney campus ready to serve you and help you. Anyone else? It's a gift from me to you. And I want you to take that Bible and I want you to open to the book of John this week and just start reading about Jesus and Jesus and you. You're going to get connected to him. All right? So the book of John, look in the table of contents. But I want everybody else to look up here with me and I want to close with this. We all have forgiveness things. And so I'd like all of us together, and I realize we're all reading it together, but I'm believing there's some of you as you read this, it's going to give you the ability to get past some things that are weighing you down. And so I just wrote this little prayer out that can help all of us today. Here's an example of how you help, you get the help Jesus can only give you to help you forgive. Let's say it together, Jesus. Because I love and trust you, I choose to forgive. And you put in the blank there, that person, that situation. I release the pain, the offense, and the hurt. I give it to you. I will not carry it anymore. Thank you for your freedom. What happened to me? doesn't define me and it will not determine my future my future okay let's pray father thank you i realize we just say those words there but if someone in this room those words become real and revelation it can alter their future their family their children their children's children we thank you for the power of forgiveness jesus we thank you that we can be cleansed we can be made right. We thank you that you want to dwell with us and change and impact every relationship around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 